Hey everyone, this is Zach, out of character, talking to you, the audience. I make this show because I love weird fiction and I want to share it with you, but it does cost money to produce it. If you check the link in the show notes, you can make a one-time donation in any amount you like to help keep this show going. It's completely voluntary and this show will always remain free to listen. Thank you and enjoy. The Stranger, Chapter 6. The Cold and Infinite Black. I'm, uh, sorry I've been away for so long. I've been searching for answers to questions I wish I never had to ask. I wish I could say that what I found could somehow put me at ease, but uh, the truth is every every thread I pull at just leads to more threads, every answer leading to more questions. The shadows are moving closer and closer to me. They smell the blood in the water and it's driving them into a frenzy. Their eyes are like the cold, infinite black that lives between stars. Their voices are the silence between the notes. And I see them more and more. Once I woke in the middle of the night to the uncanny sensation that I was being watched. I swore there was a pair of black eyes staring at me from the ceiling. Why don't you want to play with us, Julian? It said. I jumped out of my fucking skin. I reached for the light, turned it on, and I was alone. I got up and searched the apartment, baseball bat in hand. Once again, my balcony door hanging wide open, though I know I closed and locked it. I know I did. In the living room, an old photo album lay strewn across the floor, pictures spread helter-skelter. I don't remember the last time I even touched it, let alone looked through it. I can't have taken it out and forgotten, can I? Another time, I was out for a nighttime run. I stopped wearing headphones when I run. I don't want anything sneaking up on me. I was careful to stay where the light of street lamps could reach me, but something came out of the shadows and I tripped on it. I thought maybe it was a dog, but when I looked for it, I couldn't find a fucking thing. I sleep with lights on now, if I sleep at all. I don't leave my apartment unless I have to. Thank fuck for delivery. Am I losing it? I got the news a few weeks ago that my great-grandfather was institutionalized for paranoid delusions. What if he passed this sickness on to me? What if I'm letting him drag me kicking and screaming into the same madness that consumed his mind by listening to his descent into that horrible place? I feel like my mind is on fire. A terrible pyre built inside my skull, reducing the world I used to know to ash. And it's only a matter of time before it consumes me whole.
It's 7 o'clock on June 21st, 1935. I'm Thaddeus Black, and this is Current Events. The On to Ottawa Trek, which has seen over 1,000 workers making a pilgrimage from Vancouver, has been stopped in Regina, Saskatchewan on Monday, where protesters held a meeting with cabinet members Robert Mannion, Minister of Railways and Canals, and Robert Weir, Minister of Agriculture. Mannion and Weir invited a delegation of protesters to meet with Prime Minister Bennett in Ottawa, while the rest of the protesters remained in Regina. The delegation, led by Arthur Slim Evans, is set to meet with the Prime Minister tomorrow. While the outcome of this meeting is difficult to anticipate, many political commentators believe that, along with the recent Battle of Ballantyne Pier, it may bear a significant weight on the results of the upcoming election in October, where Bennett will face off against former Prime Minister William Lyon Mackenzie King, who previously served from 1926 to 1930. In local news, the tragic story of the seven missing children has reached a grisly conclusion. Robert Friedman, the vagrant arrested by Ottawa police in connection with the disappearances, was set to stand trial next month for the abductions and suspected murders. However, yesterday morning, Friedman was found dead in his jail cell, having apparently hanged himself in the night. Friedman never confessed to the crimes, nor did he provide police with details regarding the locations of the bodies. A statement from Sergeant Connors reads as follows. It is with a heavy heart that I bring this news. Though Friedman will never answer for his crimes in a court of law, I have no doubt in my mind that he will face an eternity in hell for what he's done to our community. I know that this is a shallow, cheap comfort, but unfortunately, it is all we have at this time. I extend my sympathies to the families who may never receive the justice or the closure that they are due, and hope that we can forge a path forward towards some sort of healing. Listeners, I'm being handed another story right now. I, I have to warn you, this will not be easy to hear. If you have small children listening at home with you, you may wish to send them away now. Jonathan and Sylvia Brown, the parents of one of the missing children, are dead. They were found earlier today in their home with apparent gunshot wounds. Jonathan Brown was known to possess a firearm, and it may be possible that he took his spouse's life before turning the gun on himself. A spokesperson for the Ottawa Police Service says that the department does not at this time suspect anyone and that while this is a tragic event, it likely does not change the reality that the ordeal around the missing children is over and people can feel safe in their homes again. Two months ago, the one who calls themselves Alex sat in my study, drinking tea, attempting to talk me out of pursuing the case of the stranger any further. And though I insisted on persevering, life, it seems, had other ideas for me. Not once have I seen that eldritch specter lurking in the alleys or shadows. I've seen his children from time to time, passing so quickly that I could hardly be sure they were there at all. 
For a time, I began to believe it was over. I even entertained the notion that I may have invented it all. It would be so nice to let myself continue to believe that. Emily was visibly relieved that I started sleeping at normal hours again, and when I stopped recording tapes every night. She does not ask anymore what is on these tapes. I suspect she simply takes it as a blessing that I am spending less time in my obsession. But then, the news today, I felt myself freeze as I read the story in my hands, a feeling like ice-cold fingers digging into my chest and making room for spores to grow in my heart. The coppers had their Patsy in custody, and now he's dead, and they're ruling it as a suicide, and I cannot pretend any longer Jonathan and Sylvia Brown are dead, too, under suspicious circumstances, according to my contact in the police, but they're passing it off as another suicide, hoping to avoid an investigation. Something has them scared, or is whispering in their ears, or is exerting some kind of terrible influence on them. My mother painted, you know. I don't talk about Mary Black very often. She died almost half my life ago, and half a world away. I never saw much point in bringing ghosts with me. But ever since this started up, I think about her more often. Mum would paint, and as she did, she often told me that she was not creating an image, but rather revealing it. That in the endless white void of the canvas, she could already see its shape unfolding. And her job was to find the right brush strokes and the right pigments to make it visible. I feel like the truth of everything is in that void of night, the cold and infinite black that lives between the stars just out of reach. If only I could find the right brush strokes, the right key, the right words. If only I could unlock these secrets. Where is that cursed torch? <coughs> ah, yes. It took some coaxing, but I was able to get the Brown family's address. I don't believe for one second that this is a simple murder-suicide, and I'm determined to prove it. The house seems relatively undisturbed, though whether that is because police cleaned it following their investigation, I cannot say. It's a small, simple home, modern appliances, nice refrigerator, a radio. Clearly they were modest but not wanting. Into the living room now. I have that feeling again, like there is some great truth just outside my reach. Damn it, why can't I see it? Why can I not make sense of this phantasm's riddles? Why does no one else see it that there is something horribly wrong that 
There's a monster stalking the shadows of our city, taking as it pleases, consuming their children, hollowing them out from the inside and remaking them in his own image. I cannot be the only one. Unless they see, but wish not to. Perhaps the mind is not meant to understand such things. And I am a freak occurrence, an anomaly, an outlier. Huh. What is that? It's, uh, it's familiar. It's like something from... From home. But no, that's impossible. It can't be. This can't be here. It just, it just can't. My, my mother painted this. Decades ago, and on another continent, and that smell, is that linseed oil? It must be. Uh, my mother would use this to thin the paint, but it should be odorless once it dries. Unless it was used in such a quantity that... Hold on. I don't remember that. When Mum painted this, I swear it was just the house, this, this shadow lurking in the field. Looks as though it had been added after the fact. It can't be mere coincidence that a painting from my family home, hardly worth selling, would end up in the Brown family home. Modified with a shadow bearing a resemblance to the stranger, this is a message it must be. And the stench of linseed oil. It's not just the painting, is it? Just as I thought. The carpet is drenched in it. Where did I put that cursed lighter? Damn it. Hold on. That... That's not possible. Shit, someone's here. I have to... The tape ends there. I spent the last two months trying to find the next one, but there isn't a next one. The other tapes I have are dated three years later, and there's a ton of information and time missing. I did, however, find another tape from a different source. It's probably not even legal for me to share this. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. It's a police interview. Dated June 22nd, 1935, between Ottawa Police Sergeant Francis Connors and Thaddeus J. Black, arrested for breaking and entering, interfering with the police investigation, tampering with evidence, and arson. I'm uh, going to play the relevant sections here. Why were you in the Browns' home tonight? Why haven't you continued your investigation into the stranger. I'm not the one under arrest, Thaddeus. We had the guy in custody, and he's dead now, so... You had the wrong man. And how do you know that? Because I've seen the thing you're looking for, the thing that took those children. It's not human, Sergeant. <laughs> not human, eh? Now this, I gotta hear. So you believe me? Believe you? Hell no. I deal with criminals, Mr. Black. Human criminals. Not goblins or boogeymen. I don't know if you'd really call it a goblin. I don't really care what you'd call it. 
Those families lost their children. And the bastard who did it died before he could tell us where the bodies are. Seven families, that is, that will never, ever get closure. Well, six now. And you're going around committing arson in the other one's home. I am no arsonist. Then what the hell do they call starting a fire in a residence back in jolly old England? Someone... The someone who really took the children wanted me in that house and they left a message for me. Yeah, I saw the message. Checkmate. Written out in oil, then lit on fire. Why did you burn the word checkmate into the family carpet? I didn't. It was... Right. The thing. The stranger. The boogeyman. Ooh. I know you don't believe me, and maybe you never will, but there is something much more bizarre than you or even I can comprehend at work here, Sergeant Connors. I think you'll find I can comprehend quite a bit, Mr. Black. For example, I comprehend that you have a wife and child, and I comprehend that if you don't play ball, you might not see them for a long time. Just how long? Well, that may be up to a judge. Or the dock up at the nuthouse, if you keep talking nonsense. Oh, you hadn't considered that, had you? Well, well. I guess I comprehend even more than you do. So maybe you want to think twice before you take that condescending tone with me. Look, I have it all on tape. My investigation, dates and times of sightings, uh, both of the creature and the children. Hold on. You've seen them? The children? Yes, but they are changed. They have been remade in that vile creature's image, and if you don't- You actually believe this shit, don't you? I do. Then you're crazier than I thought. Maybe you really will end up at Lady Grey. It's been a long night, Thaddeus Black, and my shift ended hours ago. What say we pick this conversation back up tomorrow? Do I have a choice? No. I couldn't find any follow-up tapes or transcripts, so I don't know how he got from point A in police custody to point B at the Lady Grey Hospital. Uh, Lady Grey, by the way, is now the Royal Ottawa, and they have been less than forthcoming about it. I don't think their record-keeping back then was what it is today, and they're embarrassed to admit it either way. I'll try to be back as soon as I can. Until then, I don't know. Keep your eyes open. The Stranger is written, performed, produced, and mixed by Zach Emery. The voice of Francis Connors was S.J. Riker. For more of his work, check out Blake Sky Private Eye in your podcast app, or click the link in the show notes. These events and characters are fictitious, for now. All brands and public institutions referenced are either fictitious or used fictitiously. All music featured in this show is written and performed by Zach Emery and can be found on SoundCloud. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at thestranger1935, or you can give your message to the next moth you see. Do not entrust it to a blue jay or rook. <laughs>